the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Nice, warm day here in Cleveland. <laughs> Let's get started thinking positively. There is no sadder sight than a young pessimist. Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, whatever you want to call him. Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. And that was Carol Burnett, uh, who, who made me laugh more than once. Uh, also, uh, Albert Einstein, try not to become a person of success, but rather to become a person of value. And, uh, <laughs> well, we all have uh, little things that happen in our life that change us a little bit, huh? Anyway, uh, as I always say, uh, if you want to see our webpage, go to Google or Bing and, and put in Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up. You can always tell. I got a little picture with a round circle around it, and uh, it says, remember, buy low, sell high. There's a lot of good stuff on that webpage. Uh, Bob Dickey's stuff is on there. Uh, we have stuff on interest rates. We have stuff on cybersecurity. Highly recommended all of it. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, um, we have some really interesting stuff this this month. Uh, some tax scams you should watch out for because there's a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, I've been talking about mutual funds and know your mutual fund. You know, there was five of the top performing mutual funds in the last 10 years where the manager left and none of the money left. And they've gone from being the top mutual fund to a very low mutual fund. All right. And people don't, they're not paying attention to who manages their funds is what I'm trying to tell you. Also, we have a couple pieces. I've been talking about this one and some of these stocks have just lifted off in the last two weeks, but the, the technology, internet, media, and telecommunications conference was a big hit and I highly recommend it. Uh, by the way, we're coming into February and February is financial aid awareness month. So for all those guys going to college out there, uh, pay close attention. All right. Uh, by the way, well, I'll tell that later. Uh, just keep you hopping. <laughs> in 1980, only 13% of the married woman, women earned more or about as much as their husband. By 2000, that fig- figure almost doubled, rising to 25%. In, ni- in 2017, 28% of the women made more money than their husbands or cohabiting partners. From 1991 to 2016, the U.S. cancer death rates dropped steadily by about 1.5% per year, resulting in an overall decline of 27% during that 25-year period. Uh, that translates to an estimated 2.6 million fewer cancer deaths, by the way. You know, uh, you know, breast cancer used to be a uh, death sentence, uh, and uh, they're really doing great stuff with that. And by, by the way, you know, I read all the stuff about biotechnology and CAR-T research and, uh, you know, small cell uh, research. And 
It's it's huge. I mean, they may they may have a cure for cancer soon. Uh, I'm not saying tomorrow or the next day. I'm talking about you know the next ten years, twenty years. Just over sixty percent of the millennials with debt don't know when or if they'll ever be able to pay it off, and that's because we've been in a socialist society, I think, and they haven't been able to uh, uh, use capitalism to their advantage. Because once the jobs start to go in, and these and these are the guys that are pushing socialism, which they're nuts. Uh, they want the government to do everything. And what did, what did Thomas Jefferson say? A government large enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take it all away. All right, uh, so the mobile boom in China has driven innovation, and today China possesses a host of new Internet creations that lack U.S. equivalents. As a matter of fact, spending on the, you know, business spending in America is so far down in technology because people were paying heavy taxes and, and the government's not, you know, they're doing what they're doing, they did for the last eight years, or uh, the Obama administration, again, we're having this, uh, they're fighting like five-year-old children instead of doing business. Uh, you know, art is, I mean, politics is the art of giving in a little bit, okay? Negotiation. Uh, this, this, this five-year-old stuff is just ridiculous, but... Uh, anyway, smartphones have quadrupled the number of Internet users in China during the last decade, helping Chinese companies to amass pretty large revenue streams that uh, support experimental and very uh, ingenious, uh Internet space. And government policies in the absence of offline infrastructure, such as retail stores and an established television advertising ecosystem, have, have also aided uh, Chinese rapid development. Um, you know, once known for companies initially imitated U.S. Internet uh, counterparts, now they're, they're trailblazing, okay? So that's really interesting. I mean, there's a company called Meetyuan, uh, which combines food ordering, reviews, travel, and delivery in all one pop- popular super app, which, you know, we have, you need four apps for that here. Um, d- despite this concerns about the Chinese economy, believe me, they are lo- they their monetary policy is very, very bullish for them. Uh the, you know, and, and the trade war and the U investor, uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, China, prospects for China are becoming interesting. Uh, you know, I've been talking about the EEM, and the EEM has broke its downtrend line now. You know, it's becoming a solid citizen. So uh, we're starting to see things happen. And, you know, I was the guy that said to get out of China in 2017. I said it live on the radio. I got the, I got the tape. So, But, look, uh, just so you know, there's three or four cities in China where we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, some big things happen. And uh, I think you got to understand is back in the old days, the research espoused that 95% of all the inventions in the 20th century were created in the West. Uh, And that's changing now. So there's four big areas uh, that, well, I'll I'll say three. Well, I'll I'll throw in one other. But Beijing's big, Shanghai, Hangzhou, and and, uh, uh, Shenzhen. I can never get that name right. I'm sorry, but uh, it's amazing how many uh, the technology that are in those cities. So that's something to think about. You know, I, I was listening to Freeport McMoran's uh, 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 call this week, and it was very interesting. The CEO said he predicted that most likely we will see really, really high copper prices. How are, how are we going to replace the top 10 mines in 10 years? It's not going to, it's not going to be on schedule, he said. So that's something also. And, and by the way, uh, 
I had uh, Rick call me. Rick's uh, been listening to the show for a long, long time. And he said, Tim, you not only said that we we would be out uh, producing uh, the Saudi Arabia and Russia, even back to when Saudi had all three well sites going, but you also said that at soon we would be exporting oil more than any other country. And and by the way, there was a <laughs> he sent me a nice little article, and this was uh, sponsored by Tabula, Tabalo, uh, Tabula, uh, and they think by uh, two thousand eight. 19 end of 2019 beginning of 2020 exports will overcome imports you know what that's going to do for the uh uh the the trade deficit wow it's going to be huge hey uh money market funds are now over three billion or three trillion they've moved to three trillion dollars so uh we're up 10 percent in money markets and you know institutions have not made the big move to equities. They still not there. So uh that's really interesting. That's that's a higher number, by the way, than the bottom at two thousand nine. How about that? Let me sit, repeat that. That's a bigger number than the bottom in two thousand nine. So there's more money in money markets now than there ever has been. And so the institutions have not made the move. You know, I I, I just want to mention something. Um do you have old or do you have the new kind of life insurance? You better figure that out pretty soon. Hey, I was I was watching Davos uh, Davos this week, and you know, last year everybody was really bullish, and I noticed this year everybody was uh, maybe, probably not. They're all bearish, and I think that that we're flashing an amber light now. Okay, so I don't think it's the end of the world. I just think it's uh, you know it's something to think about. Hey, there was a big announcement this week, and, and I'm going to talk about this here in a second. I've been talking about value stocks, how, how undervalued they are. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, we, we are seeing something that we've never seen before, and that is value has underperformed growth for eight years. And it's the first time. It's, as a matter of fact, it's so bad that growth is overtaking value on, in the long run, okay, just uh, whatever. I think this is because the Fed is taking money out of the, the market. Now, if you don't know what quantitative easing is, what it was is they are buying financial assets, mostly bonds, bills, and, and, and uh, notes, treasury notes, and they were buying these. And when they buy them, the money goes out into the marketplace, okay, through the dealers. Now, when they're taking it out via maturities, you know, maturities come and do, that money goes back into the treasury is never heard of again, and it's killing small caps. And I've said this on the, I said small caps are really, really cheap, but they're never going anywhere until the Fed stops this, okay? Uh, because it's quantitative tightening. It's the exact opposite of quantitative easing. So they're raising rates and they're quantitative tightening on top of it. And some people think that they took out $800 billion last year. That's one, you know, it's like 40th or 50th, of the economy. So imagine they raise interest rates a percentage point in a quarter and, and then they take out 800 billion, which some people think is three quarters to a percentage point. Now they're talking about the New York, I mean the, the wall street journal said, now this is, you know, look, I, it's not verified yet. So I've read a lot of stuff in newspapers that never happened. I've heard a lot of people say stuff on uh, news shows where it's never happened, but if they do this, I think this will be the bell that they ring, okay? 
This will be when you want to be fully invested. Now, there may be a sell-off. There's a couple things out there. You know, the uh, volatility index is still up there at 18, and it's, and it's staying up there for some reason. I don't know what it is. But, look, what it will benefit most is the small caps and the value stocks. They are the ones that are getting hit the hardest. The value stocks, you know, I've been talking about how cheap they are. Uh, it, you know, the growth stocks have been outperforming value stocks now for nine straight years. And if you look, if you put relative performance as a straight line across a piece of paper, growth stocks have been going straight up. Value stocks have been going straight down. That This is my, what might turn it, okay? You're not going to sit in a value stock hoping for it to turn if money's being whipped out of the, the economy, because you know there's nobody else, you know, who's the secondary buyer? Who's the extra dollar to buy? So if, if that occurred, that would be big. It was also may bring the institutional money back in, okay? Because the institutional money's on the sidelines. Uh, there is no big asset allocation. It's still in bonds. It's, you know, they're, they're not moving into stocks. And if that occurs, uh, that would be big. We'd also probably have rising interest rates at that point. So, um, look, it hasn't happened yet. So, but if it does, you got to pay attention because that will be the, that'll be the bell being rung for value stocks and also for small cap stocks, in my opinion. So, uh, value stocks usually have decent dividends. So maybe it's time, you know, we've been talking about the dogs of the Dow, uh, the top five stocks, you know, uh, you know, IBM was 113 at the end of the year. It's 133 right now. It had almost a 7% dividend yield. All right, so there's there's stuff out there that you got to pay attention to. And we've been talking about inter- internet con- conductivity. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, uh, we were just talking about internet connectivity and how important that is. Look, I think uh, internet connectivity is going to be big. It's probably going to be one of the most transformative cycles in, in the digital revolution so far. And you add that to 5G and all these names that we haven't talked about in 18, 19 years, the telecommunication stocks are going to get really, really interesting. Uh, Look, the bullish percent for the NDX, which is NASDAQ 100, turned up. I don't think, if I'm correct, uh, it'll be the FANG stocks that outperform in 2019. I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, that's one of the surprises that Mark Mahaney has. Um, and he says that Netflix subs may accelerate, but he didn't, he didn't know about the price increase, the big, you know, it was an 18% price increase. Uh, he, you know, so uh, this, that could be very, very big moves. Uh, well, I've been looking at the, the looming trade war and, and the slowing international economies put a damper on the return of international stocks for the last couple of years. And and so what what I did is I looked at some of the international stocks that were showing signs of life, and I, I noticed a couple things. The EEM was uh, one that uh, popped up, and and the 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 EAFE uh, also popped up. That's developed countries, and it, it's made a little bit of a move here. So I think the big thing is is Latin. America is outperforming, and mostly because of Brazil. What did Brazil do? Brazil moved to the right. People get it one of these days. Uh, you know, all these people are moving to America because it's capitalistic society. 
So we have all these people who want to immigrate here because it's capitalism, folks, not because it's socialism. All right. Uh, and, and so they come here and they, they want to make it socialistic automatically. Uh, dumb move. It's not working in Europe. It's not working anywhere. I mean, look, I have some friends from Germany. And they go over, you know, they come back here, they go over there. They know we have a better life over here than they do over in Germany. And Germany is one of the top socialistic countries in the world. So uh, believe me, I've had this conversation with them numerous times. But I was looking at the indexes and the emerging markets, uh, China, you know, the uh, Thailand, you know, those type of names are looking pretty good. And so is in Brazil. Brazil's really interesting. I want to mention one more time. The top 30-day performance for stocks have been gaming, precious metals, building, auto parts, protection safety, metal non-ferrous, oil service, force and paper products, chemicals, and restaurants. Uh, you know, one of our names on our, our one of those dividend growth portfolios that I keep talking about and our top ideas is QSR. was up huge last week. So uh, those are the names you want to stay with. Now, look, one of the things that may happen is uh, what? We have about $800 billion in buybacks coming in the next two quarters. Something tells me that'll be very helpful to the market. The other thing is gold, if they stop sucking the life out of the economy by, by this quantitative uh, tightening, gold may finally break that huge triangle pattern that I talked about. Uh, you know, gold stocks uh, have been creeping up slowly but surely, that beautiful sideways pattern. So, I mean, you could see a pop, a $100 pop in gold in a very short period of time. And remember, what we talked about last week was the gold, the Dow to gold ratio from 1999 to 2019 has been in a downtrend, and it broke out about two months ago. So, uh, remember, 2000, gold was $300 an ounce, down from, you know, I think it was like $1,500 an ounce uh, back in 1980. So, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a move up, and that's really, really interesting. Uh, we talked about the bullish percent turning up, and I think that's something people got to understand. Um, and if if you know you don't, you should. Now look, uh, I look back at history, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit more. But um, you know, we're having the same type of market that we have. It's kind of a a pattern in a bull market where you start the bull market. You know, in our case, it was two thousand like fifteen or fourteen. And then about five years into it, you have a big whoopsie-doo. You know, in, in, in the 60s, it was the Kennedy crash, you know, the U.S. Steel, and uh, and then also the Bay of Pigs. 1987, it was Greenspan's folly, you know, three straight interest rate hikes, boom. And then we'll call it the Powell knockout here. Uh, so uh, the best part of the bull market comes at the end. So the next two years will probably be good, but the small caps and the, and the mid caps start to develop now. Uh, and this could be very, very big. So, um, you know, I, I think you, you, you've got to pay closer and, and closer attention to all this. Uh, remember, you know, we had, um, uh, well, look, there's there's a difference between sector and market timing. And the people who buy the right sectors, that's why we talk about them every week, have been doing much better uh, than the guys who have been trying to market time. And here's what I'm talking about. If you look, you will start in 1993 with $10,000. You'd have about $10 million being in the right sector. You'd have about 4.9 market timing. If you if you bought the worst sectors, you'd have a negative 9% return. 
And then if you have a buy and hold strategy, you'll only be up 9% during that period of time. So uh, it'd be 35% in the sector groups. That's why we talk about these sectors. So I'll just, I mentioned that. And by the way, utilities in Latin America right now, the two top sectors. Um, so I was looking at things and, uh, you know, I was looking at the overbought and some short-term uh, stuff being uh, uh, starting to turn over. And, and some of it's in the healthcare area. Uh, but look, uh, don't lose sight of the likelihood of a major cycle low developing right now, if not sooner. It might have already developed. All right. Um, remember that four-year cycle I talked about for four months, uh, you know, might have already happened. Okay. They might have moved it up. And, and it can move, you know, one way or the other way. And um, look, I think you're going to see a lot of the indicators, so the inter- intermediate term indicators start to improve here especially if the Fed does what I just said there, you know, there's a possibility to do. So, you know, look, we've had this recent surge across most sectors. Uh, very few groups of stocks are, are, are now real timely. Uh, so you want to, you know, kind of wait on things. And people say, wait, what happens if the Fed does this? Well, then, you you know, <laughs> you've you, the train left the station for a while with you. But you know what? There's always another stop. Uh, I've always found that uh, there's always a stock that does something wrong. I mean, in, Intel on Friday – uh, reported bad earnings. They don't have a CEO. As soon as they get a CEO, believe me, that stock's off to the races. They've got the CFO. They got the money man running the shop. And believe me, he's not going to let a lot of expansion go because they're, you know, money people basically, uh, you know, tend to be tight. And and I'm not criticizing anybody in that business. Uh, that's what they do. Okay, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make the the ends meet. And uh, it's hard to run a company when you're trying to make the ends meet and uh, and then have any strategy you know, come on board. But I think the guy's, guy's doing a great job, by the way. So uh, just remember, we're at that four-year cycle, and I think, you know, there may be one more uh, hickey, and then I think, you know, that hickey is when you want to get fully invested. Look, the bearish sentiment, uh, you know, the economic surprise sentiment is is, is down, you know, near ne- negative 30, which is pretty pretty bullish. Uh, also, the, the number of bulls and bears, you know, is, is pretty bullish at this point, too, by the American Association of Individual Investors. So things are looking interesting. Now, we do have some resistance here, but what I found is that we've been making this little bottom here. So it could be what they call a cup and handle formation. And so I think you have to pay attention. But look, if you look at the uh, daily quadrant balance oscillator, which is something you guys probably don't know about, but you can look it up, you know, you know, Google it. The daily quadra uh, uh, balance oscillator. All right. So uh, th- this it just measures the percentage of stocks with rising and positive momentum. And it's, it's usually, you know, it tells you when you're overbought, oversold. So we're very overbought at this time. So there you go. Now, crude oil uh, popped back up very, very quickly. And, and uh, by the way, in Davos, uh, the head of the Saudi Arabian uh, uh, oil, the, the oil minister over there said, he said, you could see $90 oil versus, you know, people were talking about 45. So, I'm seeing some groups improve. The financials, I said they had to lead. I've been talking about that for several months now. Uh, they they are leading now. Uh, discretionary starting to pick up technology, but not all technology. I I think the fangs are going to have a problem for a while. Industrial started to pick up last week. Uh, that was good. I've got several of those. And materials on Friday. Materials were up big. Uh, and energy, I, boy, I had a lot of energy stocks on my charts, so uh, that's usually a good sign. On the weakening side, utilities, which have been one of the best sectors, weakened a little bit. Same with REITs. 
Same with Staples and same with healthcare. Um, you know, I, th- I thought, uh, Procter and Gamble had a blowout quarter and they were, they were only up a buck or two. So, uh, uh, Post had a really good quarter and they, they beat the stock to a pulp. Healthcare, Abbott, you know, missed by a little on the revenue, but raised their dividend and their earnings were really big and they, they sold them off. So, uh, I'd be a little bit more careful in those, those areas right at the moment. You remember, we were very positive of those back in April and May. Um, so what am I seeing? I'm seeing the financials have come down to their uptrend line and turned back up. They got a little bit carried away, so it'll be interesting to see if they lead again. They seem to be leading, which is a you know there's no better bull market, folks. Also, healthcare, uh, it, the the actual healthcare. Now, the, uh, what I'm talking about is uh, more of the you know both the the drugs, the, the medical tech stocks, and the companies that are doing healthcare. Uh, you know, group stuff. All right. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And telecommunications, which we haven't talked about on the show for, I mean, I think we talked last week and it was the first time in like 20 years, um, has broken its downtrend line, which is very po- positive. And Staples broke their downtrend line and then reversed back down again. So that's not good. Uh, healthcare, the, the, I still think, you know, this is just a buying opportunity. I don't think you have to, to, to jump off a cliff or anything like that. Discretionary came right back to its where it broke out from and looks like it's turning around again. Technology had an uptrend break. So that's where, you know, I think most of that is fangs and industrials. I think you were very oversold. So it'll be interesting. Um, and I, I, the same way with materials, I, I, you see the same thing there. Energy's the downtrack, uh, downtrend is intact. Uh, you know, I thought that was turning up, uh, it did turn up for a year and a half, and I was right. And then it just all—I mean, the Fed just took it out and shot it. But you know, look, you got to understand if you take they, if 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 our people are right, uh, and they took out eight hundred billion dollars out of the economy last year, and they raised rates, I don't know what they were thinking about. <laughs> but you know, that's pretty damaging to an economy that's just getting back on its feet after you know a financial crisis. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they do this. If they do this, it could be really really big. But in the meantime, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee with me, give us a call, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Uh, or um, you can email me. Uh, just go to Google or Bing, Tim Hayes Radio, and uh, I show up there. You can also hear the podcast. If you go to local podcast, move, go down to Tim Hayes. Uh, there I am. And you can, you can go directly to my webpage from there. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about a new seminar we're going to have. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the We're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, once again, um, you know, if you'd like to uh, uh, sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about your portfolios or your, your total financial position, remember what I, I said earlier. Do you have the old insurance or do you have the new insurance? You know, life insurance is much different these days. There's li- living benefits to them. Okay. So uh, if, you, if you'd like to have your insurance reviewed, or if you'd like to have your portfolio reviewed or the whole kit and caboodle, or do a wealth plan. 
you know, these things are great. Uh, I, did, I did one of myself, and, and believe me, I, I it opened my eyes a little bit. Give us a call at 888-223-7742, or you go to my webpage. Remember, Google or Bing, Tim Hayes Radio. I, I'm, I'm usually first on the list. I think I'm always first on the list. And uh, just hit the email me or contact me. All right, while you're there, look at Bob Dickey's stuff. You know, his technical analysis. Sometimes if you see what's happening, it's better than, you know, just hearing it. Uh, you know, I'm a site guy. Uh, that's why I look at, you know, I look at thousands of charts a week because I want to see what's going on. I don't want to look, if somebody tells me what's going on, I don't, you know, you're swimming with sharks out there, folks. You want to see what's going on. All right. So, uh, it looks like in April, I believe the 8th of April, uh, we're going to repeat a seminar we had last year. We had Bob Dickey and the folks from Marshfield. All right. Now Marshfield, just so you know, when the market, the S and P 500 down 5%, they were up about three, three and a half. That's an eight point spread folks. Okay. Uh, last year we had 62 people there. Uh, and I think it's going to be once again at the Marriott in, uh, uh, the airport Marriott. Um, and, and we had Bob Dickey, who's a technical analyst up first. And he basically said, Hey, we got an 18% move down. So he warned you ahead of time. And uh, that I, I sent notes to everybody, get your ducks in order. And people, some people listened, some people didn't, I don't think, uh, Anyway, Marshfield, the big question was Chipotle. Everybody was complaining about Chipotle. It's up 50% since then. Okay. So these guys are good at what they do. And, uh, I have, you know, I let uh, Marshfield manage a lot of money. Uh, uh, you know, Chris is, they have three or four people that are just absolutely amazing stock pickers. And Bob, you know, so these guys are fundamentalists. Bob's a technical guy. So they contrasted last year completely. Bob's saying, hey, we got a problem here, you know? All right, so uh, April 8th. So mark it on your calendar. We'll uh, talk, give you more details later. All right, so now we're going to talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent is our main risk guide. Remember, it goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. When you're a column of X's, the offensive team's on the field. When you're a column of O's, the defensive teams on the field. Remember, especially when you break from over, when you go above 70 to below 70 and you get into a column of O's, that's a very dangerous time. Uh, right now, we are at 35. We're up another five this week. Uh, I'm telling you this. I looked at, you know, I looked at charts and, uh, every day and I haven't had a full page of charts in three months. I, I have done basically a, almost two pages, you know, page and a half, two pages, uh, which is way over what I normally am doing for a, almost two weeks now. So very positive. Uh, it would not reverse down until 28. The over-the-counter index was up two, so it's lagging a little bit, but the, the small cap and the mid-cap indexes are definitely outperforming the Dow, the S&P, and the, and the NASDAQ. So uh, the world index is positive. It was up 2%. Uh, so all the bullish percent charts are in a column of Xs. They're at a very advantageous field, uh, you know, position. So, Look, if you're playing, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up in two weeks. So just imagine you're on the 25, it's first and 10. You throw the bomb sometimes, okay? But, you know, Bill Belichick does what's unexpected. You know, he may hand the ball off 10 times in a row and then throw the bomb. Or he may throw the bomb first. Who knows? But this is the time when the risk is much lower than it was. So uh, remember that. And and when you're when you're just at that 30 level, is a really good time to be buying stocks for the long run. Um, I looked at uh, sectors, and there are currently a, 
about 12 sectors who are in a column of X's right now. Steel, biomedics or biogenetics, gaming, chemicals, gas utilities, semiconductors, autos, computers, aerospace, healthcare, internet, and software. Now, not all these are favored, just so, just so you know, but look, the, the sector, the number of positive sectors went to basically zero. <laughs> and we've only seen that a couple times. We saw it in 2011. We saw it in 2009. Uh, and now it's up to a whopping 12. All right. So there's 40 sectors. That's positive. I looked at all the, um, the major charts and they're all positive long term. They all still look positive long term. They're a little bit overbought. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what's happening. And look, a month ago, Right before Christmas, I said, don't get too bearish. We're at, we're at points where, you know, we're going to bottom. And you, you, by the way, you can go back and look at the podcast. You know, you go to WHK 1420 AM and you go back and you look at that week before Christmas. And I was saying, don't get too bearish. And, uh, look, since then, uh, each of the market, ma- uh, market indexes we, we, we look at, um, you know, we, we've had uh, seven of the 10 securities return in excess of 10%. You know, the small cap and the mid cap shares are up uh, 1460 and 1420 respectively. So the Santa Claus rally came, all right? Uh, nobody was expecting it. We kind of mentioned that, you know, don't get too bearish, don't get too bearish. We said it probably for two, three straight weeks. And uh, I, I bought a lot of stocks then, and now I wish I would have bought more. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there we go. The other thing that happened is the S&P 500 uh, reversed back up against the money market. So it's now in a column of X's, uh, which means that, you know, you should probably have less and less money in the money market uh, as more people are putting money into the money market. Money markets are up 10% in, in, in assets since the beginning of the year. So the market's going up and people are putting more money into the money market. Jeez, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, now, the emerging markets, you know, we discussed uh, last couple of weeks, EEM breaking the downtrend line. And we did notice another one that t- kind of turned back up into a column of X's, and that's the EEMV. So I'm seeing more and more of this now. So it it it's getting really interesting uh, with the emerging markets. Now, a lot of this is Brazil. But we're also seeing a little bit in China. We're also seeing a little bit, you know, in other places. So something to think about. Now, I did look at, uh, look, we we had the bullish percent for all the groups. There's 40 of them. It was down to 14% right, right at Christmas. And I said, you know, this is when you want to buy. Okay. We're now at 32%, which isn't outrageous. We're up 2% for the, for the year. And we have healthcare, gas utilities, electric utilities, all at 40 in favored status. Computers at thirty in favored status, and then precious restaurants and re- and uh, precious metals and restaurants at twenty four. So that's all good stuff. But we still have twenty two groups that are at thirty or below. So there is some just excellent buying opportunities still in this market. And uh, I like I said, if the Fed does what I think they're going to do, or what the Wall Street Journal said they're going to do, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to do it, but if they say they're going to do it, this will be big for small caps and for value stocks. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it, it, it'll just be very, very big. 
One thing I did notice this week is we had a, a bunch of groups go from the unfavored status. Uh, for example, financials, chemicals, and gaming, which were totally unf- uh, uh, unfavored, have moved up a step. And, and then we had steel, autos, and Internet go to average. And then computers, healthcare, and gas utilities go to favored sector. So very, very positive. Um, look, international equities, um, you know, EEM, EEM, uh, the, both of those look really, really good. But I, I'm telling you, I, you know, I said this about a month ago, Brazil, or no, I guess it was about two, three weeks ago. My, I don't want to overemphasize anything, but Brazil still looks the best of all the uh, international equities. They've moved to the right. <laughs> uh, look, one thing about, uh, I was looking at some of the rate indexes, and I, the, the very little change in the FYX, which is the five-year, the TNX, which is the 10-year, or the 30-year yield indexes. That's what we look at the yield now, okay? Uh, we did notice that the the uh, iShares, iBox Investment Grade Bond Fund did uh, t- return to a positive trend. It hadn't been there for a while. But if I was looking at fixed income, municipal bonds are, you know, ex- are especially attractive at this point. Some of the government agency bonds, not government bonds, but agency bonds look pretty good. And then um, also the municipal high yield area looks fairly good. So if I was going to... Uh, you know, start a fixed income portfolio right now, I'd be looking at high yield, senior loans, preferred securities. Uh, by the way, we have a great preferred security that just came on uh, my desk on Friday. And then also municipals. Those That's where I'd go. I looked at all the um, commodity indexes and um, oil's been positive for four weeks. Most of the, you know, the group indexes have been positive for three or four weeks. Gold's been positive for eight weeks. Uh, and uh, copper has been positive for one week. I mean, it was it got went very positive, very negative, and went positive again. And corn kind of gave it up. Uh, it had been positive for like eight, nine weeks here. But look, uh, copper, or what most people call Dr. Copper, is often examined to determine the potential for economic growth. In 2018, you know, the trade tension, tensions really wore on the, on the global investors, and the Chinese economy wore basically the brunt of investor worries, but China is the number one importer of copper in the world. And if it had slower demand for growth for the commodity year, that would be a, uh, a factor in copper's, you know, demise, you know, I think it was down like 20%. China has, has been loosening monetary policy in leaps and bounds. So with the supply of copper going down and copper, reversed into a column of X's this week. And Freeport McMoran's chairman saying that he thinks, you know, they're not replacing copper like they should. Things could get interesting, okay? Now let's talk about relative strength uh, buy signals. We didn't have many this week, all right? Uh, this is what we're trying to do is we started out with the main economy and we talked about, you know, the Federal Reserve and all the way down. Now we're trying to give you some ideas. So you can write these down, work accordingly. Uh, but global blood therapeutics, uh, uh, was our only buy signal of the week. It's pretty, that's one of the fewer names I've seen. On the sell side, Orbicom, which is in wireless communications, uh, Altria, which uh, is, by the way, has a 7% dividend yield, so I don't know I'd be running, rushing out to sell that. And Amnel Pharmaceuticals, which had some bad news on one of their products. So uh, that's that's all we have. You know, so we didn't have many buy signals or sell signals this week. So. Hey, we're going to be back in a minute. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about insider buyers. Uh, Don't forget, we have a seminar April 8th 
And also, if you like any of the stuff, the dividend growth portfolio, hit my hit my email. We'll be, I, I mean, my <laughs> my webpage. Talk to you soon. My mouth didn't work there at the end of that segment. Uh, look, once again, we, we are having a seminar April 8th. Uh, it's going to be at the Marriott uh, Airport. We're going to have technical and fundamental people together. So we're going to have Bob Dickey, who's our head technical strategist, won every award there ever was. Uh, a good friend of Mark Haynes in the old days uh, uh, when Mark was uh, still with us, God rest his soul. And, and then we have Marshfield who is a deep, deep value, guys. These, I think these guys have only lost money like four times since I've been using them. And I've been using them a long time. And only one time has it been over 2%. So uh, that was in 2008, but eight, uh, when everybody lost money. But they only lost like 15%. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a 30 or 40% in, uh, decrease. Uh, and they made it up the next year. So it was a one-year swoosh, shall we say. Uh, but the rest of the time, you know, 1%, half a percent, 0.8%. You know, 2002, when everybody was bleeding money, they were down 0.8%. And by the way, they were up 14 and 7 the two years before that. So in 2000, they are up 14% while everybody else was getting killed. 2001, up 7. And then, you know, so uh, good good folks. They'll be here. And then, you know, we'll have Bob Dickey first. Bob was the guy last year uh, that said, hey, be careful. All right, be careful. And he was right. By the way, we had 63 people at that seminar and 18 of those people, 18 said that it was the best seminar they've ever been to. 18 of those people. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, that's 30%. <laughs> By the way, uh, the other, uh, you know, 70% didn't say anything, you know, d- didn't write up on the, you know, was it a good seminar, or bad seminar, they didn't say anything, so. You know, we talked about insider buying surging to an eight-year high, and it just fell off the map. Large, large guys, a lot of smaller guys now. So, did see a couple things that I, I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, and I I think this is um, well. Let's just put it this way: if if we're if we're right, you know, these guys are big. Anyway, Life Vantage. Uh, we had the CEO on the eighth by. Uh, 35,000 shares, 128,000, and then another 14,000. Back on January 30, bought 90,000. It's around a $10, $12 stock, just so you know. And then we had, on January 7th, the this, this chief medical officer by 15,000, the CFO by 15,000, the general counsel by 15,000, and the, and the chief uh, uh, sales officer by 15,000. So quite a few buys there. That's Life Vantage. And then we have 3P International, uh, where we had the chief technology officer buy 800,000 shares, the VP of finance buy 250, uh, the president and CEO buy 800, the COO, chief operating officer, buy 200, and, the, and a former director buy 200. So a lot of uh, that's called, that's 3P International. <laughs> that's an unusual name. So it's one you're going to remember. 
And then Claris, which is in the gaming area, we had, uh, or leisure anyway, we had the, uh, the CEO buy 150000 and the president bought 150000 uh, And, you know, it's a $10 stock, uh, so those were pretty big numbers. Um, so it's about $3 million worth. Um, also, uh, we uh, got a little, uh, Claris, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot. Claris, we also had uh, Warren Canders, who's with Karen, Canders and Company, he bought 350,000 shares, too, so uh, sorry, I forgot to mention that. Um, and then uh, Raphael Holdings, this is a biotech that went up a lot, and at the high, the the uh, chief executive officer, Howard Jonas, bought 1.2 million shares, and by the way, he, he owned uh, like uh, three, 3 million, so that's you like to see that. Um, and it's in the the company was at a new high when he did it, uh, you know, it run up pretty, pretty big and then lost some products, Luther King capital, which is, uh, uh, you know, a company that buys into a lot of companies are, I think they're private. They're a 10% owner. They bought $55 million worth of loss in products during the industrial equipment uh, business. And then, uh, also park West asset management. These, these guys, uh, our big New York money manager, they own, they had 10% of this company already. They just bought another $7 million. It's called Kindred Biosciences, uh, which is a name that uh, I've been following for a long, long time. It, by the way, they bought it at the low, which is just what you like to hear. And then Celgene, who's being bought by Bristol-Myers and is a 10% owner of Acceleron Pharmaceuticals, bought another $30 million worth. Uh, the stock had fallen back from 60 to 40 so they took the they took advantage of it and uh, worked, worked accordingly. Okay, so anyway, that's uh, all we know for insider buying this week. Uh, let's get a lot shorter this week, so I'll just leave that with you. Now, look, uh, this is Tim's take. This is where I tell you, you know, what I think, and uh, you know, we'll take it from there. And I guess my first question is, if everything is all right, why is the volatility index still at eighteen? And that's that's what I can't, you know, that's that's the one fly in the ointment. So maybe the Fed doesn't do this, you know, uh, you know, the Wall Street Re- Journal reported. Maybe it's not the case, but if it, if it is the case, it's positive. But why is the volatility index? I mean, it closed Friday, I think it's 17.96. The other thing is, you know, I was talking about the the McQuillan oscillator and I said the summation index. And this is right at the end of the year. Was it negative one thousand one hundred and eighty? And it is now a positive 251. And that may be the fastest move I've seen uh, since the bottom in 2016 in the presidential election. We also went from a negative 114, 115 to a positive 125 on the McQuellen oscillator, which is an overbought, oversold oscillator. And we're still at six. I think we're at 68, 69. So there's... uh, you know, so there's some interesting stuff going on there. All right, uh, I, I would suggest that the correction is still intact for now. Um, although, you know, we've we've had a massive move off the low, and and the big question is, uh, will we break through? Now, it, you know, we're making kind of a cup, uh, so it might be a cup and handle formation uh, that uh, is that Bill O'Neill from Investors Business Daily made millions and millions of dollars off, and that would be very positive. It would be a shorter term one. You know, you'd like to see him eight months, nine months, that is even better. But uh, uh, it would be a positive development. And uh, But look, this this was, you know, uh, the, the Fed Reserve is considering ending balance sheet shrinkage earlier than expected. 
And this is according to the Wall Street Journal. The Federal Reserve officials may maintain more Treasury securities on their balance sheet than they initially planned when they began shrinking the holdings two years ago. Uh, actually, it was three years ago. It was 2015. In 2017, uh, what they do did is they started to let the Treasuries mature. And uh, it did in 2016. They just didn't do as much. You know, they did like $200 uh, billion. And then they did in 2017, they did $400 billion. In 2018, they did $800 billion. So what they were trying to do is they had a, a $4.9 trillion balance sheet, and they wanted to get it to $1.5 to $3 trillion in a hurry. So what they were doing was reversing quantitative easing with quantitative tightening, and they were raising rates. Not a good idea. Um, look, they, they, they're going to... Um, well, let's put that way. They expected the process would take several years, and in about three or four years, you know, we'd, we'd be down to what they call a new normal. Uh, that's what Powell stated, you know, back in November uh, of 2017. And if the Fed is is now planning on maintaining more Treasury securities on the balance sheet, and the end of the unwinding could come sooner, specifics of the strategy and how it will be communicated, you know, are probably still being ironed out. But look. If this, uh, you know, look, Powell's supposed to hold a press conference at next week's meeting. And so if this comes out, this is like probably a half a point. Low, you know, lowering rates by a half a point. It would be big. It's a form of loosening up money. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I forgot an insider buy. <laughs> this is a big one, too. Uh, uh, Box Capital. Uh, is a 10% owner of Murata Therapeutics. And at a new high, uh, they bought $9.3 million worth of stock. So anyway, so th- the point is, is this massive move in the advanced decline line and this, and uh, you know, which basically was at, at 32 and it is now at 73 is a very, very positive thing. As we discussed last week, the returns, the average return is about 17% in the next 12 months. So, uh, you know, that that's a big return in the stock market. It means that there's a lot of money being uh, started in there. What I think is interesting is this all happened, and while it was happening, $300 billion went into money markets. So we were 2.7 on the money markets on December 1st. As of last week, we're at $3 trillion plus. So here we have a market where the advanced decline line made one of its biggest moves in history. And people were putting money into the money market. Wow. That's powerful. It's going to be very powerful. If the Fed announces this, like I said, I think you want to be looking at small caps. Uh, and I think you want to be looking at value stocks. So what would I do right now? I'd be looking at the dividend growth portfolio, our top ideas. I think the small caps, we're going to dust them off. A lot of our our best ideas uh, are value stocks. Uh, so that would be a good place to go. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, with the global group starting to pick up, maybe you want to look at our ADR list again, okay? So the, these are names that are down and they could be great ideas. So the ADR list, the dividend growth portfolio, um, our top idea is both small cap and large cap now, okay? So I, I think we're getting to a point where, hey, it may be time 
to, to go all in. And, uh, look, you know, when, when Bob uh, talked about, uh, you know, we were above the trend line on the, on the NASDAQ and the, and the S and P 500 back in April, you know, we just hit the trend line. We popped up. We may, we may go down and test it one more time. So there we go. So you can get any of these by going to my webpage. You can B- Google or Bing Tim Hayes radio and I show up. Uh, you can only see it's me. It's buy low, sell high. Also, you can listen to the podcast. If you just heard part of the show and would like to hear the rest of it, you go to WHK 1420 AM, hit the local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes. By the way, you can go directly to my webpage from there, which is really nice. And you can listen to any, you know, if, if you don't believe what I said, you know, going back uh, a month or two months, go back a month or two months and you can listen to it. You know, <laughs> if you need a nap, listen to it, right? Anyway, so uh, we, we have something happening here for the first time in a long time, which is very, very positive. Stay tuned. Don't forget, April 8th, Bob Dickey and Marshfield coming into town together. Uh, you know, I don't have all the particulars, but it'll, it'll be at the Marriott Airport Inn. Anyway, have a great weekend. Stay warm. Build a fire. This is Tim Hayes of the Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.